Welcome to Federal Insights for February. What's next for intelligent automation and the federal government? Sponsored by Appian. Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guest today is Michael Beckley, founder and chief technology officer at Appian. Michael, when people hear the word artificial intelligence, they think they're heading to the unemployment line. Michael, you're a software industry expert. Is artificial intelligence going to take your job? <laughs> no, not yet. Uh, every time there's a technology innovation, people immediately get worried about automation putting people out of work. But the reality has turned out to be quite the opposite. I mean, America's got the lowest unemployment ever, and we've got more sophisticated technology than ever, whether it was electricity or the Industrial Revolution or now artificial intelligence. Automation opens up new avenues and pathways for creating value and for creating more meaningful opportunities to, uh, to make significant change. And when you put the whole development of computer code and software, it, this is a process of automation at almost every step along the way, isn't it? It is, exactly that. It, you know, the, uh, the opportunity now exists with today's technology to automate whole classes of work that before were too difficult for computers to master. Things like reading documents, parsing natural language, a lot of the mundane going through documents that have tied down workers for, for years and decades, now that mountain of paperwork can actually be tackled with tremendous assistance from artificial intelligence. I mean, even years ago, they developed something called AutoCode, which was a way to automate the code writing. And so it just builds on, so you're building on the shoulders of geniuses, aren't you? Well, certainly, many, many more than that. Uh, the, the reality is this work, this progress towards creating useful artificial intelligence and automation technology has been uh, a, a steady progression of innovations. And, and now it's the combination of low-code development, cloud computing, and uh, as well as new advances in machine learning techniques and deep learning technology that come, have come together to create something actually useful at augmenting humans and helping people do their work better, as opposed to just replacing them. You know, I've heard hundreds of people toss around with automation, automation this, automation that. But I think the key concept here is intelligent automation. I hear that talked about too. So what is intelligent automation anyway? So intelligent automation is actually using the right automation technique for the right problem. So there's human workflow, and sometimes you need the flexibility of letting a person adapt and change the tasks and the sequence of tasks to a suit the need, and you know, that's because not everything can be predicted up front. There's robotic process automation, which is a useful technique of learning from what humans do and recording what they do so that we can, where we have repetitive, tedious manual labor, we can simply repeat those actions, and that gives us an opportunity to say, interact with legacy mainframe systems and that don't have modern methods for integration and simulate a human interacting with them, but much more rapidly. And then that makes that legacy data available to your modern web-based and mobile systems. And that's where we can use artificial intelligence as well to say, read through documents, um, optical character recognition techniques and machine learning can extract those and make them digital. And then we can extract value from that data. We can, we can turn that unstructured text into structured entities that a machine can understand and count. And, uh, and, and so, for example, that application for health insurance, we can understand that it's an application for health insurance and not an invoice to pay for health insurance. And that, that basic mailroom activity can now be done by a machine and simply supervised by humans. Now, when I think of automation, I think of uh, uh, factories in the 40s and 50s where they're, they're just uh, assembly line and produce the exact same thing over and over and they get efficiencies of scale. But what happens if there's variations? What if there has to be changes in there? Is that automation, is that limiting? So, so this is why we talk about intelligent automation. Rather than assuming that machines are perfect and that we just dump all of the, the mail on them and let them make their mistakes in a vacuum, and you know, obviously if they, if they process a lot of documents, they'll make a lot of mistakes. 
uh, if they're if they're 90% accurate, then you know a million documents that's 100,000 mistakes. So instead of just leaving it to the machines alone, we automate a human workflow of having the documents analyzed and scanned and routed through humans for approval when we have a low confidence in the success rate of the data. So if something comes in that's unusual or different, that gets put in front of a human and the machine has done its best. We call this a, a document reconciliation desk or a document um, a, you know, workflow. And in this case, then the human can just click on the one or two fields that the machine has missed. If the, uh, if the document just looks a little different, if a vendor is using a different format uh, for where the address is, the, the human can readily just make that one little change and move on. And so we've, we've avoided a mistake and we've also avoided 90% of the work for the human. But we've still kept humans in control of the decisions and of how work ultimately gets resolved. So what you're saying is that this concept of intelligent automation is, is there to help not replace uh, federal jobs. In fact, right. it can help manage mountains of data quicker and more effectively. Is that right? That's exactly right. Instead of making exaggerated claims about how artificial intelligence is going to either put us all out of work or solve all of our problems overnight, instead what we've done is taken the reality of artificial intelligence in its current state, which is you know maybe up to 70, 80, 90% accurate, and put that with humans together intelligently in a workflow where it's assisting the humans to do their work rather than trying to replace them. And then we can actually tackle billions of dollars worth of work. Manual labor that used to cost this, this country billions of dollars to handle can now be automated and in really smart ways that can allow the government to be much more efficient and focus more on its mission. It seems to me you can't just arbitrarily do a Google search on intelligent automation and, and pull up two or three different companies and work with two or three companies on this problem. It seems like there's got to be some kind of consistency in your approach. Well, you can try to put together uh, a whole set of different technologies, but increasingly companies are like Appian, able to offer you full stack automation with human workflow and uh, business process automation robotic process automation, and machine learning and artificial intelligence all in one unified solution. And that's what we've done and announced recently with our acquisition of robotic process automation technology and its integration into the Appian platform. So this process is called uh, low-code software, is that right? That's right, yes. So what's that, how does that differ with these code repositories that I see out there? So low-code is about using visual methods like drawing your applications in a, in a workflow like a Visio diagram or using a mouse, I would say, to click and drag to build your application out of existing Lego blocks as opposed to hands-on keyboard writing code. Ah. My guest today is Michael Beckley, founder and chief technology officer at Appian. I'm your moderator, John Gilroy, on the discussion, Federal Insights, What's Next for Intelligent Automation in the Federal Government? Sponsored by Appian on Federal News Network. Need help accelerating your IT modernization efforts? Look no further. Appian is the leading low-code provider for the federal market, helping agencies simplify application development and leverage existing IT investments to deliver new solutions. Appian's secure, reliable, and scalable FedRAMP certified platform comes with the Appian Guarantee, your solution created and deployed in just eight weeks. Learn more at appian.com slash appian guarantee. Appian.com slash appian guarantee. Welcome back to the discussion, Federal Insights, What's Next for Intelligent Automation and the Federal Government? Sponsored by Appian on Federal News Network. My guest today is Michael Beckley, Founder and Chief Technology Officer at Appian. I'm your moderator, John Gilroy. Well, you know, all through the Federal Government, if you look at databases, data storage, whatever you want to call it, um, a lot of it aren't clean. Not clean in the Federal Government, not clean in commercial world either. So how can a process be automated 
if you're starting off with a, a flawed data set. So the important thing to keep in mind is there are a lot of different techniques to automate. And robotic process automation is an exciting new technique that we have incorporated into the Appian platform that allows us to even reach into those systems that have um, unclean, inconsistent data. They have no uh, established application programming interfaces for automatic connections and, and web services, you know, the more modern techniques. So with RPA, we simulate a human logging into the system. Only once we've recorded that login, we can script it to go much faster. That's why we call it robotic process automation. It's, it's automated, it's repetitive, and those bots uh, can, by simulating a human, go into systems, log into them just like a human would, and, uh, and, and interact with them and pull out that information. And once we've, once we've gotten the data out, we can put it in front of a human after we've aggregated it, after we've sorted it, after we've filtered out a lot of the noise, and allow the human to just take advantage of their unique insights as, a, as, a, as the human mind can so much better than a machine, adapt to the change, and, and, uh, and simply do what little 10% of work is required to, to finish the, the, uh, the job. So at what point in time is uh, a data set ready for workflow? I mean, is there, is there a number there, 85%, 70%, or how do you judge? Well, we don't judge it by a percentage basis. We judge it by what the mission is and what the work you're trying to accomplish is, and can the data match that need? So, for example, you know, any legacy system is likely to have you know, data errors and, and mistakes and inconsistencies, but it's not likely to stop the ability for most of the work to flow through unimpeded. It's just necessary to have uh, machine learning to check for variance and then an ability to put that into a human workflow where a supervising person can actually uh, you know, validate that a change needs to be made and make it right at the time it's needed. You're using a very strange word here, humans. You know, I mean, I mean that, what's that got to do with computers and data processing? So what you're saying, it's, it's really not just a, a, a data science problem. It's got to be, it's got to include humans as well. Yeah, and it's, it's not just about putting humans in the loop. It's about augmenting humans and designing systems around humans. You know, the, the dream of a, of a lights-out factory of a completely automated straight-through pipeline hasn't gone. It's just that... If you understand from the start that our tools are fallible, our machine learning and AI techniques will always be inconsistent, they'll always have some mistakes, then you can step back and say, wait a minute, I don't need them to be perfect if they're just helping a person. People aren't perfect either, but now the machine can supplement the human and uh, in all kinds of useful ways. So if you're processing eligibility and enrollment applications, well, most of them will probably fit into a standard pattern and a machine will be able to input you know, addresses and names and you know, basic income information and, and address and, and demographics right into a system without any complexity. But it's when those things come in a different format, they come in from a different agency, they get transferred in in uh, you know, handwriting, that a human will have to supervise and make sure that the application gets routed appropriately. You know, I've had the pleasure of sitting down with a lot of data scientists over the years. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, first of all, they love hot sauce and they love to argue. They'll argue about the meanings of words and go back and forth and they'll just spend hours in, in some meaningless old definition that may be not be very practical in the real world. You know, well, I've heard people argue data lakes versus data warehouses. Now, sure. you get a warfighter sitting in a mountain somewhere, they don't want entertaining repartee of this discussion. They want to make a decision. So how can RPA robotic process automation help that guy in the mountain somewhere? Well, so RPA on its own isn't going to help so much, but when it's unified in a full stack of automation where we, we divine, uh, uh, design a human workflow and uh, provide the right information to decision makers, to the warfighter, to, to you know, the, the mission uh, owners, 
and then we provide robotic process automation to reach into systems that were previously inaccessible, that didn't have APIs, application programming interfaces to access, that didn't have web services. And so now there's more information available to them. And then we can use machine learning and, and artificial intelligence to process more of that data faster. And, and only where there is an exception, there's something out of the ordinary, can we present that to the human for their supervision. And they can, they can always peer in and see what the, what the system is doing. So if you're looking at, at uh, automating maintenance of, of airplanes, then of course artificial intelligence is going to help us predict failures in parts by looking at, at uh, the whole system in a way a human might not. But that isn't necessary, necessarily on its own going to be what we need to have a full maintenance workflow without incorporating the human in the loop and, and using tools like RPA and, and, uh, and human workflow to allow that person to understand the signal from the noise, to see what's really a, a, a part that's going to fail, and to be able to access you know, the, uh, the maintenance depot and, and get that shipment to them in time so that plane keeps flying. And the federal government's presented with unusual challenges. You know, sometimes uh, people are smoking cigars who are at FEMA and sometimes working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Oh. Same thing in the military. Sometimes it's, there's just regular amount of problems and sometimes they're working 24 hours a day as well. So the problem I'm getting at is scale. So if you have a finely tuned little RPA system that seems to be working, how can it accommodate drastic scale increases that can't be predicted? So that's an, that's an important point, John. You know, we, we deal with and have to prepare for in government crises all the time. And, uh, and so we can't assume that we have the luxury of training up an entirely new workforce to respond to every problem. And so what you do is you model out how that work needs to be done at any scale. And then automation techniques like RPA can allow you to immediately add bots uh, to process higher amounts of workload. And this allows you to augment a, you know, a, a small set of human experts and actually have them operating as if they were thousands of humans. And, and so that's how uh, full stack automation can allow the, the government agencies to fulfill their missions no matter what storm, no matter what crisis around the world takes, you know, takes place and challenges them. You know, I think in uh, Missouri they have the show me state, you know, so I always do the show me question of, okay, you know, can you give me some examples from agencies that are maybe using RPA to, to improve their business processes? Robotic process automation and artificial intelligence and machine learning are being used across the federal government. Appian today is in use in over 42 different agencies. To give you a few examples, uh, you know, your, your insurance applications for health care, the, uh, the permitting process to, uh, to get approval to, you know, go fishing. Um, you know, all these are different domains in which uh, robotic process automation is able to help process a lot of that paperwork and combined with machine learning and artificial intelligence allows the, the government worker to uh, focus on much higher value tasks than just, you know, scanning documents. My guest today is Michael Beckley, founder and chief technology officer at Appian. I'm your moderator, John Gilroy, on the discussion, Federal Insights. What's next for intelligent automation in the federal government? Sponsored by Appian on Federal News Network. Need help accelerating your IT modernization efforts? Look no further. Appian is the leading low-code provider for the federal market, helping agencies simplify application development and leverage existing IT investments to deliver new solutions. Appian's secure, reliable, and scalable FedRAMP certified platform comes with the Appian Guarantee, your solution created and deployed in just eight weeks. Learn more at appian.com slash appian-guarantee. appian.com slash appian-guarantee. Welcome back to the discussion, Federal Insights, what's next for intelligent automation in the federal government? Sponsored by Appian on Federal News Network. 
My guest today is Michael Beckley, founder and chief technology officer at Appian. I'm your moderator, John Gilroy. Well, Michael, I'm gonna throw another big fancy phrase at you. The phrase is robotic workforce management. And so how are they putting this all together in a typical federal agency? So robotic process automation began largely uh, at, uh, at lower levels inside of organizations. It was the kind of technology that a business analyst or a finance department could, could pick up and, and use uh, right there on the desktop and by recording what a Windows user was doing with Excel and, and um, with access databases, they could make some real headway. But as the technology spread the, and, and scales up in an organization, without robotic workforce management technology, things can quickly turn negative in terms of efficiency. And that's simply because RPA, robotic process automation, is recording what humans do, and it can't handle change very well unless we help it. And so if uh, Internet Explorer or Microsoft Edge updates, that can cause a slight change in the interface, and next thing you know, your bots are breaking. If someone updates uh, a dependent system, if they update a legacy environment, if they change where a window is located on the screen, the bot doesn't know that that window has moved because it's just doing exactly what the human did before. And so robotic workforce management in, in the Appian platform allows you to orchestrate humans and bots together, and it allows you to manage those dependencies. It allows you to identify what systems bots are dependent upon. It gives you a centralized store for credentials, so passwords, when they expire, can be managed so that all the bots can have their new passwords updated. Because remember, a bot is simulating a human. It needs a login and password just like a human does, and those automatically expire thanks to your, you know, your security requirements. And so rather than having to run around to 100 or 1,000 different desktops and try to find the broken bots and make the changes, Robotic workforce management in Appian gives you a centralized place to manage and prevent those breaks in the first place, and then when they do happen, automate and update all the bots simultaneously. I think if you did a survey of federal IT professionals, mm -hmm. uh, they would say, a robot, well, it's like uh, the Terminator, it's metal, it's perfect, it never fails. But what you're telling me, oh no, you mean the Terminator is the flaws? I mean, the robotic process automation can have flaws in it? Yeah, well, for, for one thing, we're just talking about software bots. We're not talking about science fiction <laughs> here. And these, and these software bots are just doing what they're told. You know, it's just like software code, garbage in, garbage out. So you have to think about the human workflow up front and if you haven't, then you're just setting yourself up for a problem because the bots do execute a lot faster than humans, and that means they can make mistakes a lot faster than humans. And so if you, with, uh, if you don't think about having robotic workforce management in place, uh, then it may work for a little while, but when a system updates or a password expires uh, or the, the, you know, the legacy system changes with an update, then you could be in for a world of hurt. And so much better to just think about full stack automation from the start use RPA with robotic workforce management and be able to route those exceptions to humans where they can automatically uh, you know, respond to them and, and basically allow the bots to serve humans rather than you know, humans serving bots by running around trying to clean up their mess. I've spoken with many people about a federal transition to the cloud and it seems like the big hang up is identity access management, who, who's who. And um, I think you mentioned this previously, but a bot is, is part of this identity management program, isn't it? I mean, do they have to be verified in systems as well? Yes, yeah, so, so uh, bots have to be treated like people and uh, robotic workforce management gives you an, a, an opportunity to register the bots and, uh, and validate that they have the right credentials and provide an audit trail automatically so that you know who approved the programming of the bot. Because if a regulator comes back later or is challenged in, you know, by, a, by you know, an industry later, 
you have to have this, this, uh, this paper trail, which is automatically created in a system like Appian because we assume that, uh, that this non-repudiation is, is an essential part of a, a regulator's mission. You know, they have to be able to justify and explain what they've done. And, and so, again, this is where RPA is, should never be viewed in isolation. It should be viewed as part of a, a full-stack automation program, and it should be viewed also as, as something that isn't always going to be there. Eventually, bots will outlive their usefulness. The systems will begin to change more than anticipated, or they'll just be time to you know, retire them. So you should be constantly using robotic workforce measurement uh, monitoring to measure the value of the bot compared to its error rate. And uh, when the time comes, repurpose it and, uh, or retire it entirely. Michael, you've used this phrase a couple times, full stack automation. Mm -hmm. So we got full stack automation here, and a federal CAO is going to turn to you and go, well, what about compliance? And compliance is going to change. If you've got this full stack automation there, all of a sudden there's new regulations, there's something is promulgated about cybersecurity for the federal government. How can it adapt? So we've been talking about this uh, in terms of exactly what the CIO needs, and that's visibility into what automation technique is being used and the opportunity to realize that it's all modeled as a human workflow. And whether it's machine learning or robotic process automation, these are just automation techniques that are augmenting what humans would otherwise do. And so from a CIO level, you know, CTO level, you have that complete visibility into how the work would have been done by a human, who authorized it to be done by a machine, uh, by a bot, by a script, uh, by an algorithm, and how that algorithm works and functions. And, and so you have the visibility you need to have comfort that you have control over your agency and that you can report uh, accurately on, on how your mission is being accomplished. And as well, know with confidence that you can scale to support uh, the mission as it may surge to respond to a crisis or a new, an un unexpected challenge. You know, I kind of fall into the trap of dualism all the time. It's either black or white. It's either robot or human, robot or human. What you're saying is there a blend that is available that will take the best of both worlds? I, what I'm saying is before you begin to automate, you should figure out how humans do the work and model that as its own human workflow and use you know, workflow technology, process automation technology to get the most out of your humans and then supplement them with the right automated technique where appropriate. You know, robotic process automation is very popular today, but it could be the case that simply an API integration is going to be far more accurate, high quality, and resilient to change by talking directly to a system rather than having to simulate a human doing it. And, uh, and so together, when you have full stack automation, you have the opportunity as a CIO to guide your teams to use the right automation technique for the right problem rather than treating every, you know, everything as a nail because you have a hammer. So it's not one tool fits all, it's get the right tool for this particular situation, and we have to back off from some of the robotic processes to accomplish that, is that right? Oh, certainly, and to also be willing to change because you can intermingle and, and migrate from RPA to AI or uh, from uh, AI to a you know, direct API integration as those opportunities emerge, as systems modernize, because everything in, a, in an agency is on its own migration schedule. It's not like you're, you're going to replace 200 systems all at once. And so you need to be capable of evolving between different automation techniques. And to have RPA today as available as it is from Appian in the cloud is a completely new opportunity to, uh, to look at automation as something that is very CIO friendly, something that they're governing and managing and isn't creating a new problem of having hundreds of different bots out there on desktops that you can't manage from one central place or one console. I'd like to thank today's guest, Michael Beckley, founder and chief technology officer at Appian. I'm your moderator, John Gilroy, and you're listening to Federal News Network. 
For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Appian. Thank you for listening to Federal Insights for February. What's next for intelligent automation and the federal government? Sponsored by Appian on Federal News Network.